intentionally ordered, uh, changed the order of this service because I wanted you to see the video that uh, Stephen Fanning put together in his own marvelous, miraculous way of using television to communicate a message. It's about three and a half minutes. I didn't see it until after midnight last night. He brought it over for us to see it after he'd finished editing it. And uh, I saw it four or five times. We just wanted to keep seeing it. And I want you to see it. You're probably going to want to see it again. But uh, sit back and listen to the past and its influence upon the present and the power that's imparted through the love of God in the lives of people. Let's go back. And we organized Trinity Baptist Church out at the Old Manor Baptist Church on Wesatch Avenue on the night of June 24th, 1949. That was the most exciting thing that's ever happened to me, I guess. Good to see you. Hi. I do. Hi there. Good morning to you. We were growing so fast that we didn't have enough room. We had uh, bought 10 old uh, public service buses and parked them out in the parking lot. And we had Sunday school classes in those old buses. Do you remember when it looked like this? It's kind of like the church in general. The only, all you see is just the exterior in terms of sometimes people and programs, but the people that make it go and all of the ministries that make it work go on underneath and behind the scenes and makes us grateful for all the people who have had such an input into the life of this church across the years. I built the first church building we had and we started with and also help in the other part of it. I want to join with you, hearts and hands and very minds together, and I'll give my best in the years to come as Trinity sees its greatest growth in the years ahead. This building was uh, first worshipped in as a sanctuary in February of 1950. And in a few days, this building will be replaced by something newer and more beautiful. But the same spirit will characterize the ministries that take place. The same message will be preached. The same gospel will be declared. The same results will follow. People trusting Christ as Savior and following Him in a life of fellowship. We went ahead in faith because we sure didn't have the money. And when the sanctuary uh, was, was started and uh, Buckner came uh, to lead us uh, in that time, and we all had uh, this type of... Uh, fear that uh, I wonder I wonder if we're going too far and of course obviously we didn't go far enough this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you and now the only part of what we've had that's still alive it's still a home is the part that we gave to Trinity this is the part that keeps going on I know that I was away from church for 25 years, and I came back, and I found a home, and I found a family. That vacation Bible school was really fun. It was really fun. I had a good time. I've grown up in Trinity. It's been a lot to me. I've grown here physically, mentally, spiritually, and socially in all four areas of my life. I am convinced that down through the years that the Lord has blessed us. It's been my life my family, my home, and loved the people here and felt loved by them. That Jesus loves me. We are not saved by the teaching of Jesus. We're saved by Jesus, the teacher. I think one of the principal reasons that any one of us belongs to Trinity Baptist Church is because it becomes family for us. 
it's not something that we read in a book. It's something that we see with our eyes and experience with our hearts and do with our hands. I love recovery. I love Alpha Home and I love Trinity. I think it's important for us to prepare a place here for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we ask that thou continue to guide us and to keep us in our will and to lead us to heights unknown on this hill. Thank you, Steve, and thank all of the people uh, who are part of our past. And to see some of their pictures there on that screen bring tears to our eyes, but wonderful memories to our hearts. And you know the greatest thing about it? We're going to all be together someday. And all of the old things will have passed away and God will have made all things new. Heaven's just going to be an expanded version of Trinity Baptist Church. And uh, so many of our family and friends in this fellowship have already, as our friends in the Salvation Army say, have already graduated to glory. We have a lot of people in our balcony, don't we? Talk about it in the book of Hebrews. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... What precedes that is so important. The names of people that are part of our spiritual life who also uh, lived long before any of us had the opportunity to know them personally. Every person who was used by God to write the word of God, they're not physically with us, but they're spiritually with us because they were used by God to communicate his word of grace and love to all of us. And... When you read the 11th chapter of Hebrews, as we all know, that, uh, that uh, galaxy of spiritual greats, that roll call of the faithful, it just recurs over and over and over again, the phrase, by faith, by faith. 1949, a few people had faith. They had faith. And you know what? We're sitting now in their faith. We're celebrating now their faith. We're enjoying the seeds of their faith in the ministries and messages that go out from this church all over the world. Right now, through internet, all over the world, people are celebrating what we're celebrating here in this place. The power of faith, most powerful force in all the world. Listen to this first verse in the 11th chapter. Just a quick summary, summation of what goes on and what has gone on in the process of the kingdom of God at work in the world. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his possession, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. They didn't know where this church was going 50 years ago. Abraham walked by faith. They walked by faith. We're to walk by faith. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered himself faithful who had made the made the promise by faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau 
By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt. By faith, Moses' parents did him, hid him for three months after he was born. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you. You can tell there's a preacher writing this, can't you? I don't have time to tell you all that's happening. I do not have time to tell you about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets who by faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. By faith, by faith. Therefore, we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run. Listen to that. Nothing passive, not just sitting and talking, not just planning. All of that's essential. Not just having discussions. That's essential. All of that's, that's important to the ingredient of any progressive church making a difference in the world. But when the time comes to move, move. Let us run. Let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. And we know what that race is and we know where it's marked out. And we have to run that race. It's in our hand now. That baton of faith has been passed to us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter, our finisher, of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. The stained glass window, the theme of which, as most of you know, are the words of Jesus himself when he said, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to me. The purpose of this church is to fulfill the proclamation, the promise, the message. Of Jesus Christ himself. It's Jubilee time. Where does that word come from? It comes from the 25th chapter of the book of Leviticus. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. And it was a mosaic law at the time that every 50 years, every 50 years would be a Jubilee year. And all the debts would be canceled and all the land that had been uh, lost or uh, uh, captured or taken over by others would be restored to the original owners. Uh, if you had mortgaged yourself into slavery to someone else, you were set free. You were delivered. It was jubilee time. Well, it was a great idea, but it could not actually happen and didn't actually happen. But the idea was there. The purpose was there. And it took thousands of years before it began to be fulfilled, where people would be delivered, where people would find a home, a place to stay, where they would be delivered from being prisoners or slaves. Well, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. But Isaiah picked up on it in the 61st chapter, in the first verse of his prophecy, after the children of Israel had returned from Babylon and reminded them of words that Jesus quoted in a sermon that he preached at his home synagogue, his home church in Nazareth. The first 
Sermon of Jesus. And I want to read it to you because it is the spiritual fulfillment of Jubilee. It is the promise of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, to bring about Jubilee time in the world. I read fourth chapter of the Gospel of Luke beginning with the 16th verse. If you want to turn to the Bible in the book rack in front of you, it's page 739. No, that's not it. That's Isaiah 61. Move to page 1191. No, that's not it either. Uh, Here it is. Turn to page 1018. Why don't you just turn to the fourth chapter of the Gospel of Luke? That would probably be the easiest thing to do. And the 16th verse. Trying to help you use that Bible there if you don't have one or not familiar with the Bible maybe. Uh, Page 1018. Okay. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. Isn't that interesting? Jesus was customarily in church. Every young parent should remember that as they bring up their child. Jesus was brought up in church, as was his custom. And he stood up to read the scroll of the prophet Isaiah from 61.1. Roots all the way back to Leviticus 25. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Therefore, he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. And recovery of sight for the blind. To release the oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I like Peterson's translation of that last verse. This is God's year to act. This is God's year to act. The Messiah had come and he was instituting the kingdom of God and the spiritual platform of the King of Kings is enunciated right here. This is what he came to do, to bring jubilee to a world that is caught in a slew of despond and discouragement and fear and doubt. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Good news to the poor, good news to the financially poor. You read the Bible and you read it with any seriousness at all and you'll find out that we as God's people are responsible for people who are in need. A lot of people are poor who are not lazy. A lot of people who are poor through no fault of their own. When someone has a financial disaster in their life, as many, many do, God's people are to be here to make a difference for them in the name of the Lord who said, you give a cup of cold water to somebody in my name, you give it to me. We're here to be concerned about people who don't have enough to eat. We're concerned about people whose stomachs are empty. But we're also concerned about people whose souls are empty. Who are hungry for life. They're poor in spirit, emaciated in soul. He's come to bring good news to the poor, 
Maybe some of you feel loveless, hopeless, unforgivable. Well, we've got good news for you from the lips of the Son of God himself proclaimed at Nazareth and reaffirmed time after time after time. All your sins can be forgiven. I love you irrespective of who you are or what you have done. I will give you hope, boundless hope, that will bring you through all of the turmoil and troubles of everyday living. I will be sufficient in all things for you, for my grace is sufficient for you. God will be with you if you feel poor today. If you feel spiritual poorly today, God will feed you with his loving presence and the bread of life. Good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. You saw Laurie, Laurie LaRue on that film a few moments ago talking about her deliverance from alcoholism and drug abuse. This room is full of people right now who have gone through that. Recovering alcoholics thanks to Alpha Home and thanks to the work of God through Alpha Home because Alpha Home doesn't do it without the Spirit of God at work through that place. Delivered. People delivered from habits that are destructive. People delivered from behavior that hurts them and hurts others and hurts the heart of a loving God who wants his people to be healthy and whole and happy. He wants to deliver us from our fears. He wants to deliver us from our guilt. You know, guilt has only one purpose. Only one purpose. Not to wallow in but to let it be a spiritual reminder to us that there is relief for that guilt by the grace of God and by the grace of God alone. Guilt is a symptom of the soul saying, listen, you're hurting me. You're contradicting what is best for me. Guilt is to the soul what pain is to the body. It's symptomatic of some deep problem that has to be dealt with. And guilt comes not to punish us, but to turn us in the direction of the great guilt forgiver himself, Jesus Christ, who has come to take all of our sin, all of our sin, and separate us from it as far as the east is from the west and bury it in the depths of the sea and remove it from us forevermore. So you don't need to carry that guilt. Let it drive you by faith to Jesus Christ and he'll alleviate that guilt from your shoulders. And like Christian and Pilgrim's Progress, the burden will fall from your back. And you will mount up as the councilman said, with wings as eagles, you will run and not be weary and you will walk and not faint. Send me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. My, there are a lot of people that are blind. Some literally blind. Ministries are for them, supported by this church and by many others. But there are millions more who can see with these eyes but who have yet to see with the eyes of their soul. They walk in spiritual darkness. They stumble. Jesus Christ has come to be the light of the world, to touch the eyes of their understanding and open the eyes of their heart to the light of the world who will guide you through all the darkness and the valleys of the shadow, wherever they might be and whenever they might come. To release the oppressed, the oppressed, the depressed, Like the young woman that Dan Vestal related to a few moments ago. That Christian nurse in that hospital was Jesus to her. 
body of Christ to her, witness to her, God cares about you. God loves you. You're important to God. You're precious to God. Don't take your life. Don't waste your life. He wants to relieve us from all of that depression and oppression. And you know, how's he going to do it? He's not physically here. That's right. He's not physically here. But you know, he said that he was sent. I want you to put a big red circle around that word sent, which I've done in my Bible. Jesus said he was sent. You read through the Bible, it's interesting to hear people say they were sent. When stuttering Moses walked in to face the monarch himself, the Pharaoh of the world. So what are you doing here? Moses may have stumbled in his speech, but he got it out. God has sent me. Amos, sheep herding preacher, who are you to come talk to us about God? God has sent me. Isaiah, princely aristocrat, prophet to kings and the people of God. By what right do you say these things? God has sent me. And here is God himself incarnate in the person of Jesus Christ. God in person coming saying, this is my son and I have sent him to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. Good news. Good news. So how is it to be fulfilled in our day? You know how it's going to be fulfilled in our day? We're going to do it. We are his body. We are the ongoing incarnation of the spirit of Christ. We are his body. That's what he said. That's Paul's favorite metaphor for the church. Yes, we are his bride. Yes, we are his temple. Yes, we're the family of God. But we are the body of Christ. In other words, this church and every other church is to be doing exactly in our day what Jesus Christ did in his day. And we can do it only effectively and creatively if done under the leadership of his spirit and the anointing of his power. And he will do it through his people when we're willing. When we're willing. If the poor are to hear the good news, they will hear it from us. If broken hearts are to be healed, they'll be healed by our touch. If those who are prisoners, groveling in the sins of the past, get lifted up by loving arms, we'll do it. And if we don't do it, it won't be done. It won't be done. There's a legend, obviously a legend, that when Jesus returned to the Father, after telling his disciples, now it's in your court, it's your job, I've given it to you. You go tell those people I bailed them out of jail, spiritual jail. You go tell those people that they're no longer oppressed and that they're free now because if Christ therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. I've given them all of that and I've told them to go. And the, the angel said, well, they're just fallible, frail men and women. What if they don't do it? What if they don't carry the ball? What if they don't hold the torch? What if they don't pass the baton? What if they don't do it? 
And the legend says that Jesus looked at the angels and said, I have no other plan. If we don't do it, it won't be done. We are his body individually. Every one of us in this room, every member of this church is an integral part of the body of Christ. Every one of us. And God has given every one of us gifts. God has given every one of us talents and callings that when we put them together in the family of God and the fellowship of Christ in his church, in his body, great things he has promised, great things he hath done and will do through us. God has a calling to every one of us. We're right here in a city that desperately needs Christ, a state that needs Christ. Bill Pinson told us about it. A world, my soul, look at the world. Never before in the history of man has the world so desperately needed the message that Jesus proclaimed at Nazareth and lived out through the three years of his flesh. And now he said to us, I'm sending you. Go into all the world. And he wasn't talking just going into all the world geographically. He's talking to go into all the world culturally. Not just go into all the world extensively. Go into all the world intensively. Go into the military. Go into the business house. Go into the world of politics. Go into medicine. Go into school. Go there as light and salt. Go there carrying the good news of the kingdom of God. And the family of God. So that everybody can enjoy what? Jubilee. And then the wonderful promise. The people who lost their land. Got their land back. Well let me tell you what's happened. To your land. And my land. Martha and I have lived in the same house for 40 years. And God willing we'll be there until we go to be with the Lord. But we have one more room. We have one more move to make. And so do you. Every one of us does not yet have our permanent address. None of us. The land that was spoken about in Leviticus 25 was fulfilled by the promise of Jesus who said just before he returned to the Father... I'm going to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. You'll be restored to the land of God. Jubilee. Jubilee time. Until then, what are we to do? We're to be God's witnesses. God's light, God's salt in a dark and uh, depressed world. Tell you a quick story. Uh, an Irma Bombeck story. Irma Bombeck uh, tells about a woman in the Midwest. Uh, she was obviously single, and I don't know whether she was widowed or divorced, but uh, a, a single woman in her mid-40s who... Uh, was feeling restless about her life and feeling unfulfilled in her life and had done very well in business and had a very comfortable and sufficient income on which uh, she uh, felt she could live the rest of her life. And uh, 
So she wrote Mother Teresa. And she said to Mother Teresa in a letter, I have the money to pay for my own expenses and to support myself. I would like to come to Calcutta and work with you. I have felt God calling me over a period of time. I have felt a restlessness inside of me that is unfulfilled. And I, I, uh, I feel that I should come and work with you. I will be no burden. I will not be in the way and I will not be an expense. I would just like to be a part of what you're doing in Calcutta. Well, she waited for a response. The response didn't come for a week, two weeks, for a month, two months. And finally, after two months, a letter came from Mother Teresa. Two sentences. I'm grateful that God has placed in your heart a desire to make a difference in the world. Period. Sentence number two. Find your own Calcutta. Where is your Calcutta? I can tell you where it is right now. It's right here in San Antonio. You say, but people are dying on the streets of Calcutta in India. That's right. People are walking around dead, spiritually dead on the streets of San Antonio right now. You say, but they're hungry people dying for food in India. That's right. We ought to try to help and do what we can. But listen, there are thousands of people in San Antonio who are spiritually dying because they have no bread of life. That's the church's calling. That has been our calling for 50 years. And may it be intensified. May it be expanded by the presence of the power of God at work in his people to do more in the next 50 years than we could ever have dreamed. As many of us will graduate to the balcony and celebrate with our spiritual forefathers, clapping for every victory won as you and you and you and generations yet unborn represented by that little blue flower over there will come and make a difference in the world because we, like our forefathers, lived by faith. Faithful to the work of God's work in the world. Would you bow your head and ask God about your own Calcutta and what he wants you to be and to do in the world into which he has already sent you? If you've never experienced the liberating grace of Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to trust him today. My soul, my friend, don't walk out of here today with any sense of guilt. Don't walk out of here feeling like, well, I don't know whether the Lord can forgive me or not. Let me tell you, he can forgive you. There is no sin so deep that the God cannot forgive you. His arm is not shortened that he cannot save, nor is ear heavy that he cannot hear. That's a scripture. Come unto me, he said, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. His love is unconditional. His grace is everlasting. No one can ever be outside the reach of God's loving grace. Just trust him. You say, well, Bugner, I have some questions. So do I, and we'll try to help you solve some of those and answer those. But say yes to the big question. Say yes to Jesus as your Savior. And come to make that public here this morning. Or to come in a rededication of your life. Or maybe you ought to come and kneel and return to your seat, as people do, maybe, often, every Sunday. 
or to come be a part of this church and help us be better salt and better light, better witnesses, better members of the body of Christ in San Antonio. Come be a part of this church. If this is where God is leading you and impressing you to put your life and work and prayers and fellowship. Dear Lord, remind everybody here that this is not my invitation but yours. It is not my word but yours. It is not my spirit but your spirit that speaks to their hearts. And I pray, Father, that those who are deciding right now before we make a move of any kind, deciding right now whether to accept you or postpone you, God, help them to say, Lord, I'll do it right now. On the first note of this invitation, I'll do it. Well, if you're thinking this is where God wants me to be, I'm going to do it. I'm going to join this church. This is where I think I can be a part and they can help me and I can help them. Well, then do it. Lord, help them to just act, to step out and do it. Whatever it is you want each of us to do, guide us. This is your invitation. Extend it through your spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't want anybody to move except folks who will be coming this way. Very quietly, prayerfully, we stand and sing what is just as true as it can be. Just as I am, I come. That's the only way you can come, isn't it? It's the only way you can come. You can't come as something you aren't. He'll make you something different. Come just as you are, but you'll never be just the same. Let's stand. Let's sing.